My name's Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 173 of Uh it's been a little. It's been a little bit here, and part yeah, of we've that, been going through stuff, y'all. Yeah, so part of that is obviously, as we always say, like Josh is a busy guy and all that stuff. But the main issue here, y'all, is I got COVID, and not only did I get COVID, I got COVID twice. Uh, people don't <laughs> people don't know that this is a thing. Sometimes I found a few people didn't know. Some people do know, but if you go on that Paxlovid, and then uh, it for whatever reason it doesn't fully work, you fully get COVID again, and it's not a second like infection it's the same infection it just but the reason it feels like a second time is it went away josh for over a week i was walking around testing negative living life living life just i'm better now everything's fine and then bam it came back and like and it was like literally like it wasn't like i had some symptoms and then i tested it was like the day i felt sick i tested and i was positive and i was like jesus fucking kidding me. i was so mad but yeah it's just it is what it is and so between covid and then you know i don't know if people know but cross keys has a record coming out you guys have been playing some shows you have your biggest show ever coming up which we'll talk about yeah and whack it on track but like there's a lot going on for both of us and so we haven't had time to record but we made a special effort today we're our talking about we're i think this is our this, yeah this is our first episode discussing Wong car why now Josh, are you a Wong Kar Wai fan? I know what your relationship is to this director. I am a Wong Kar Wai fan. I found him at the same time that I found um, Park Chan-wook and uh, Bung Joon-ho. Like, that weird... But do you remember, Liam, how magical that time was of, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. the year 2000 when, like... I consider it kind of the year that K-horror broke because it started with your tale of two sisters and Dark Waters and, like, all that stuff. But then also, like... Trilogy of Vengeance was around at that time. And that's when I found um Winter Spring, Summer, Fall. Or wait, Summer, Spring, Winter, Fall, and Summer, I think is the name of that movie. Yeah, although we should acknowledge that uh that dude has been revealed to be a horrible abuser, and which is a real bummer. He he's a bad dude, real bad dude. Right. It's, it's such a bummer because I love that movie so much. And I had shown yeah. it to students and all these things. And and in fact, I think it was Adriana who told me maybe. I think it was Adriana. Somebody sent me the article and ugh, my man on and offset, just an abusive monster. And it, Jesus. It's, it, it makes me wonder about that movie because there is sort of a dark feeling of like, how can you earn redemption in that movie? Yeah. Which I thought was the point more, of the movie. Yeah, well, it's the point. But I thought it was more abstract. But now that I know he's this monster, I'm like, oh, no, was that literal? Do you literally <laughs> need redemption? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I really thought it was more like an internal thing and less like, mm. Hey, I hurt people, you know, like yeah. anyways, uh, no, anyways, I know. I hear what yeah. you're saying about this time. I gotta be honest. Like I am such a, uh, someone who knows nothing about Wong Kar Wai other than mm. sort of the reputation. I've seen chunking express, which is, yeah. I think a random one. And I've seen, but that's the one that Tarantino held up, right? Like right, that was the exactly. one that was yes. like almost the progenitor. That's like patient zero for this rebirth of yes. Asian cinema, yes. you know what I mean? Of memories of murder, like yeah, that. Yeah, not yeah. even just K horror or Park Chan Wook or like you know those guys. It's more just the whole genre of all flavors of Asian cinema. You know what I mean? Well, like, I, I don't know. I mean, this is our ignorance, but I don't know how many other people in Hong Kong at this time were doing art cinema. It feels like two mm. thousands. A lot of people are more cashing in on 
the, the reemergence of action yeah. and wuxia and all that stuff. And so I don't know how whatever. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is I also have seen Fallen Angels, and that's it. Those are the only two I've seen. And yeah, I've only I mean, seen this and Chunking Express actually. Oh wow! So so uh, we're going to be discuss discussing in the mood for love, uh, a movie that I really loved watching. Uh, I think it's worth saying this is because. So we were responding to a request. Uh, one of our supporters on Patreon, which is a good reason you should support us on Patreon, uh, our friend Sophia requested 2046. Uh, and the reality is I did not realize 2046 is basically a sequel to In the Mood for Love. So I started 2046 and like 20 minutes in, I thought, this isn't fucking working for me. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, right. And in her comment where she requested it, she said it was a sequel, but I forgot that. So I went back and looked and I'm like, Oh, I probably need to watch In the Mood for Love, don't I? Now, some people will say you should also have watched Days of Being Wild before you see uh, 2046. Yeah. I have not watched it yet, so I don't know if that's true. But uh, but uh, even though we were going to do 2046, we both managed to watch In the Mood for Love, so that's what we're going to talk about. And then yeah. that'll lead to a, a episode later on where we talk about 2046. And I hope we'll talk about even more of his movies because – there's a lot of movies here that I know people think are really amazing that I haven't seen. And I, I need to do that. It's, it's one of those, you know, I don't think people should necessarily feel bad about what they haven't seen, Yeah. but knowing how much this is in my wheelhouse, the fact that I have made honestly no effort to watch these movies is like kind of weird, you know? Yeah. It's like, come on, man, you know what it is, but here's another thing I'd like to put a, a flag up and run it up the pole and see if people salute it. I would like it if when we do episode for 2046, Sophia comes on the show and does that episode with us. I appreciate that. Let's let's go ahead and say that. I like that. Yeah. We'll see how people respond uh, or how Sophia responds to that. And I think other people would be excited for that as well. I mean, um, Sophia is so cool and she's been so supportive of Cinepunks and and Mass. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. been such a good friend yeah. to us and like has been so like just kind of pushing us, not pushing us in a, in a way that like, you know, but like she might, me, she might want to do the other movie she requested, which I will leave as a, as a surprise. We'll see whether she wants to do 2046 or the other film. Either one will be great. And honestly, I almost picked the other movie. Cause I know that, you know, that one too, but, mm. uh, but I just thought, I can't believe I've only seen two Wong Kar Wai films. That's kind of fucked up. So that's why yeah. we're 2046. So, so anyways, I'm glad we watched, I'm glad I watched both and I'm stoked to talk about In the Mood for Love. Yeah. But, you know, the reason Sophia was able to make this request was because she's one of our supporters on Patreon, which people can go to patreon.com backslash cinepunks and check it out. Maybe they want to be a supporter. It's as low as $1 a month, uh, as high as $20 a month. Uh, we have some Patreon exclusive shows over there. We have a shit ton of Cinepunk shirts that we can send you. Uh, we're working on other things. I don't know what they're going to be, but we're going to try to offer more over there. So check it out. We would love your support. And obviously, one of the features is uh, we hope our supporters on Patreon will request episodes Movies. for of this show, of horror business. Um, I can't really promise any of the other shows, quite honestly, but but at least those <laughs> two will definitely respond. So let, let us know. Uh, if there's something you want, if you're on Patreon and if you're not on Patreon, go check it out. Josh, who else do we want to thank? And I'm, I'm giving this to you because I know you just interacted with one of our buddies. 
Um, I'm also going to say that we need to thank my man's Chris Reject and the good people at XLVACX.com. He is the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, and he will purvey to you the finest quality of screen printed goods. Whatever it is that you may need, please help him or hook him up. Let him know this is what you need. And he got you promise um here's the thing our man chris he he does so much for so many people in this little punk rock hardcore community of ours and um chris is a person who um who deserves all the accolades that he gets but he's also like a shark like he'll die if he stops swimming so my man is moving into a bigger venue. He's moving LVAC operations to a bigger warehouse space and he needs our communal help. So with that in mind, please go to LVXLVACX.com and order shirts. You can also do dry rot, which is uh, his merch bin store that does (coughs) a bunch of like wrestling t-shirts and band t-shirts. I wore a green day Kerplunk t-shirt to a horror con. I got a bunch of people being like, is that a Kerplunk t-shirt from green day? Listen, man, you guys want to be the coolest dude at the horror convention? Buy some shirts from Dry Rot. Boom. Love that. Uh, of <laughs> course, we're going to thank our friend Aaron over at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Look, it's great coffee. It's roasted to order. There's also a high-quality tea and some apparel. Go to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com after you order just a totally irrational amount of stuff. <laughs> enter the code C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. That's the name of the show and the network that you're currently listening to. You're going to get 10% off your order. You can't miss out on that. That's amazing. Do it. Do it up. Do it up. Uh, Do it up. Josh, uh, I'm going to ask you really quick. What did you just get in the mail recently from something I'm attached to? I got a beautiful set of T-shirts from the good people, that being Liam and Justin Miller, at Rough Cut Fan Club. It's movie shirts for punks, y'all. Go get you some slick threads. They're so cool. (laughs) Dude, I love those shirts so much. And they're all printed on comfort colors for the most part, right, Liam? Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some older shirts that are on Gildan. We had, we switched to Gildan for a little bit just because Comfort Colors, during the pandemic, they did not have the availability. Yeah. And and honestly, all the prices kind of went up a little bit. So we really couldn't go back to Comfort Colors until we were willing to raise our prices a little bit. I hope they're not so high that people feel discouraged from buying. But that's what we, you know, that's we, we want to offer them on Comfort Colors because in our opinion... That's sort of the best company. Yeah. Uh, Long term, I think we'd like to be able to offer different blank options for people so they can choose what kind of fit that they prefer. But as for right now, we're on comfort colors. So, you know, uh, of course, we also want to shank, shank, thank Whoa. our friend Sharky, uh, who is uh, the mixer and editor of this episode you're listening to, as well as multiple episodes of, of this show and horror business uh, and his business, uh, MechanicalSharkMedia.com. Um, look, Mechanical Shark Media is your an- the answer to your media needs. If there's a project that you want help with, head on over to the website, contact Sharky uh, and see, you know, if if he can work with you to make that thing come alive. If he's, ex- if he's excited about your idea, he's going to help you bring it to life. So check it out. MechanicalSharkMedia.com. I think that's it. That's all the yep, thank yous. That's all we got. That's all we got. We really Whack just it on track. Uh, Sick. All right, Josh. <laughs> are you going? Are you going first, or am I going first? You can go first since you got the COVID stuff. Let's hear it, man. Oh, that's true. Well, I mean, I don't want to go on too long about that, but like straight up, like whack is 
the COVID thing, you know, just and, and like I was telling Josh about this, but I'll tell y'all, you know, I, I I because I was out of it for what amounted to two separate, but like basically two weeks, I just was feeling real like lazy, you know, I was feeling really whatever. So as soon as I started to feel better, I really kind of pushed myself a little bit to, you know, get some stuff done around the house, do some cleaning, maybe work out a little bit, just really kind of like pushing my limits because I was starting to feel a little bit better. And that was a mistake because I started to feel sick again. In fact, me and Josh were supposed to record this episode last week and I couldn't do it. Y'all, I, I just felt like crap. So we had um, a man down, dude. We had yeah, a man so, down. So, I, you know, I will say for those, those few of you who haven't gotten COVID, if you do get it, please rest. Uh, you got to rest. But also, you know, solidarity to all my fellow ADHD heads out there. Resting is sometimes really hard. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to accept that I need to rest to rest, but still like keep my life together. And it's, it's been a balance. So that sucks. Mm. Uh, as far as on track, I got a few things. Uh, one of the things I did today to kind of treat myself and of course my lovely wife, Susan, uh, we decided to go to a matinee together and we went to the first showing, uh, of a little, uh, movie that just came out called polite society. Ooh, the fighting one. Yeah, have you seen this? I haven't. I had the trailer for it, and uh, I was about to go to the screener, but then I couldn't make it. Yo, Josh, this movie fucking rules. It fucking rules. Hey, guys, go see this polite society movie. <laughs> it fucking rules. Here's, here's, here's what I will say. Uh, it's not like a five star for me because it's a little, the pacing is a little fast. It moves maybe a little faster than some people might want, um, but I think with that criticism in mind, like I would have even taken a little bit of a slower pace and a little bit of a longer movie than it is. Cause it's a little short, you know, it's not mm. too short, but it's a little short. I, I could have seen this movie stretch out a little bit because I like the character so much. That being said, it's awesome. And it is an incredible, it's somewhere between an, an allegory and a fairy tale in the sense that like it's set in the real world, but any, um, viewer who is paying attention knows that this is a heightened reality right that like uh though she is studying the main character is a is a, a young pakistani woman who's studying to be well she's a student she's a high school student but she wants to be a stunt woman so she's taking uh uh martial arts classes she's studying stunts and stuff she's making videos for youtube and at certain moments when things go kind of wrong she will have fights with people and the first thought you would have if you aren't clued into like this is not even though this represents real emotions and things that real characters feel this is not the real world is when she has a pretty crazy kung fu fight with her bully <laughs> in the middle of the library and her bully even throws her through like a glass case what and i think people would say well that's not realistic yeah uh sorry y'all it's not a real thing that the point is not that this is a realistic representation but if you're paying attention, you'll realize that this does something that I think you'll agree, Josh, most musicals do. You're watching the musical. Only idiots watching the musical go, you know, you can't just sing in the middle of the street right that, like that. You're not allowed to do that. Stupid people say that, right? Like, mm, that's not real. Yeah, right. But if you're paying attention, you'll go, oh, this represents something the characters are feeling, and that's real. Even if yeah. they're not really singing in, a, in any sort of real world. And even some of the plot points of the movie are kind of like exaggerated to represent ideas. And I haven't seen this yet. I, I do think there are people 
whenever this uh, movies come out, Josh, let's back this up a little bit. Whenever movies come out, like uh, let's say everything everywhere all at once, mm-hmm. there are people who maybe just don't like it because they don't like it, but there are some people who don't like it because they don't connect to the cultures or the people represented, you know? Right. It's there's like a, when not so much xenophobia, just a cultural gap. Yeah. There's a, there's a barrier they have cause they don't relate. Yeah. Right. Uh, same thing with like a movie, like turning red. Like there was that guy who's like, well, I'm not Asian and I'm not a 14 year old girl. So I didn't care about this movie. And it's like, come on, bro, whatever. This movie is treating certain real feelings about a specific culture. And caricaturing them into something that's a little over the top right there's a turn the movie makes that makes things that might feel crazy be real and if you're paying attention you'll notice that that kind of is a metaphor for maybe how people are really treated there's there's a real feminist undercurrent to this film that i think is really important and is really interesting the problem is someone's going to watch this movie and go the metaphor is ham fist. It's a ham fisted metaphor. And I just want that person specifically who writes that review to literally get fucked because like that's that's just someone not allowing the folks who made this movie, both the writer director, but also the other people who are part of it to like, just tell their story the way they want to tell it. You know, it, yeah. it, it is, it is maybe a little heavy handed, but I think it is a fun way to represent something that isn't fucking fun. Right. Mm, someone yeah. wanted to make a fun, coming of age movie that felt like a like a like a John Wick heist movie. It's like got the fucking I mean the fighting is not quite as good as John Wick, but it's like, you know, it's a it's a kung fu movie, it's a martial arts movie, but it's also kind of a heist movie and kind of like a friends working together to solve a problem movie. And in the end, it's a movie about being immigrants, you know, and mm. and the complication there. Even though there's not a big commentary on like white folks per se, it's yeah. not about that. It's about the interrelations of that group and the way that class is still a part of immigrant brown communities, as we both are aware of, you know, that mm. like just because you're all in this place together, that doesn't mean all the distinctions of money are gone. And that's yeah. sort of what's at play in the movie. I found it fucking hilarious. I found it overwhelmingly joyful i felt a deep sense of happiness and joy watching it um it's not deep you know i didn't feel like overly emotional i didn't cry but Mm. it's exciting and it's real and i felt like it really addressed real things that people deal with and so like yeah it's not like the perfect movie but is it like the best movie i've seen in the theater this year fucking easily man like without a doubt i mean granted i haven't seen a ton in the theater but from what i've seen Mm. in the theater easily the best thing i've seen this year so if you like fun fighting and uh you're not worried about or you know you can relate to a story about uh uh, you know brown women establishing themselves in the world then like see the movie because that's what it is you know it's it's very encouraging it's very joyful it's it's maybe a bit more posy than some people like. I, you know, sometimes we like things that are really sad. It's definitely not that, but I don't think it's also uh sentiment. It's not so sentimental that it's like uh, uh sticky. You know, it's not like yeah. like overly saccharine. It's like very much still realistic about certain things, even though it's operating in like a, basically a magical reality. It's not real life. Mm. Uh, anyways, I, I I can't recommend it enough uh, for people who this is, you know, like when you love something and you say it's fun, just have fun with it. That's how I feel 
Only this is actually good and Fast and Furious sucks. So that's, that's what I feel. I'm just kidding. I'm just Fair kidding. Enough. I'm Fair just enough. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, other, so I also uh, went to a matinee the other day of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, actually. Um, Did you see the little Easter egg thing I told you about? No, I might have missed it. What was the Easter egg thing? When at the end, when they're trying to get away from the, the jaguar with the tentacles. Yeah. There's a group of uh, other adventurers that get caught in a cage. Yeah. And it's all the cartoon characters from the Dungeons and Dragons um, TV show from the 80s. Holy shit. So I thought that that might be true, but I forgot that you said it. And I was like, that looks like the cartoon, this, the, the same characters as the cartoon. But I wasn't really, I didn't look it up later to see if I was right. But that's Oh, what yeah. No, that's him. Yeah, it's that's the awesome. green guy with the green hat yeah, and the paladin yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the ranger guy. Love it's that. It's so Love good. That. Yeah, uh, I mean, so there was, and I'm sure there's a lot, people will see a lot of Easter eggs, stuff like that. Plus, there's a cameo that, if you haven't seen this Jackson's movie, I won't ruin this cameo for you. But that cameo, buddy, mwah, just uh, fucking... Yeah. Perfect. Chef's kiss. So now, good. I, I was going to write this. I haven't had time to get on Letterboxd. So I haven't said anything about this movie. Here's how I felt about the movie, Josh. Sometimes you pay to see a movie that you thoroughly enjoy. However, you admit that you took not one, not two, but three pee breaks. Whoa. And still felt like you didn't miss anything. You know, take that into account if, if you know, people who haven't seen it yet and you're thinking about seeing it. It's, you know, you know what's going to happen, even with the fun, weird surprises here and there. And there are a lot. Mm. Generally, it's not it's not like you're going to be like, shit, I didn't see that coming. For the most part, you you see it coming all the events of the movie. And what I prefer a movie with the same characters, the same actors, the same performances where I thought the script took itself a little more seriously and maybe mm. was a little less paint by numbers. Yeah, I think there's a there was a possibility here for a, a slightly more engaging movie than what this is. That being said, it's still three and a half stars for me. It's still a positive. Yeah. It's still a I'm gonna watch it again because Susan didn't go with me. I just she was this is when she was at the princess thing with Maeve and I wasn't there. So I had some free time. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna treat myself, go to a morning movie, and uh and I'm gonna rewatch it with joy, with May with Maeve, with Suze, so she can see it. And like I, I, that's going to be great. Like this is a movie that I could see myself rewatching maybe not every year, but in the future I'll watch it again. Cause it's a lot of mm. fun. It is a very rewatchable movie. I do think though, because a lot of the other D and D related media I ingest is both funny and maybe not deep, but serious. It has serious stuff going on. And like nothing about the emotionalness of this movie really hit me at all. Other than just the general feeling of, wanting to connect with your daughter like seeing that i was like okay i get that uh, aspect of it other than that the whole thing is just a silly goofy farce and that's great fun awesome that's awesome but i do wonder if if they do a if they do a sequel which i think they will mm. i wonder if they'll try to make it a little more i don't know human just add a little bit more there because it felt it felt a little bit um studio-esque like a little bit predictable in some ways but that didn't take away from the charm and for me fucking chris pine kills it he's unbelievable and um oh why is why don't why, don't, why can't i think of her name michelle rodriguez this is the i think maybe the best thing i've seen her in in a while like i feel I like think it's funny how she looks like vin diesel in this one i i agree <laughs> i agree but i also think like she feels like fully at home. I feel like lately when I've seen Michelle Rodriguez, she hasn't seemed like she cared about what she was doing. 
Mm. And in this movie, she seems really dialed in. Like she yeah. gets this fucking character. She nails it. And I think that's true of everybody. Like, I just think there isn't one when it comes to performances, part of the movie where I was like, okay, this person doesn't care about what they're doing. And some of the things they do in the movie that are very, you know, cornball fan service stuff mm-hmm. is actually perfect. It's exactly what I want. You know what I mean? Like we always say fan service is an insult. And I think that's not fair. Sometimes fan service is just you taking seriously the fact that this property has a lot of people invested in it. So you want to honor the people who've been a part of this thing forever. You don't want to reinvent the wheel. You want to give them some stuff that makes them feel good. I think this movie manages to have some serious fan service that isn't alienating. If you don't know anything about D&D, you could watch that movie and not be like, I don't get it. What's going on? I don't get it. Like, I think the movie speaks for itself, which I think is pretty cool. You know, I think it's that's a hard line to walk. And I think it walks it better than, say, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I also saw. And I had some fun with. It's fine. But but it's definitely not as fun as Dungeons and Dragons. I really enjoyed the Super Mario Brothers movie because Maeve loved it. Maeve had a a great time because she just thought it was silly and fun and she giggled. Therefore, I giggled. But like. There's no movie there. There's like nothing mm, there, yeah, right? Yeah, this movie agreed. has something. And I just hope if they do, well, I know they're going to. It, when they do a sequel, instead of trying to be more silly, I think they should keep the same amount of silly, but just maybe work on the 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 depth of the story a little bit more. Because I think sometimes yeah. D&D is a little bit more personal than this movie made it feel like. Cause here's, really, here's the thing. Know. This is my opinion on this movie. Yeah. Like with the push of all this other media that is very clearly focused on the 45 year old, like nostalgic generation there, everybody like from the DC universe and stuff are infusing all these serious, like huge stakes and like uh, all this grit and grime to make these things like more realistic. And the one thing that gave me the most joy about the Dungeons and Dragons movie is that even at the darkest parts, it still felt light and it still felt like it didn't feel like the Dark Knight. You know what I mean? Like it felt like, oh, this oh, is that's still a very fun true. fucking movie. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, I just, and, I, it just felt a little like predictable in its character beats, I guess, or okay, in, I in its, in its story moments. But, but the I, fact that it was written to the point where the, the heavier parts still had a bit of levity to them. Sure. Yeah. Made yeah, yeah. this head and shoulders above the next dark and grim retelling of Hansel and Gretel or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like I enjoyed it a lot. I don't have anything against a dark and grim retelling of Hansel and Gretel. I think that's fine, but (laughs) I agree that, um, there could have been a way to try to make this more intense. I do think that's probably why for the most part, the D and D community, I think has really been stoked on it, maybe more than they thought they would be. I have seen some pushback and my guess is the people who are pushing back are the sort of folks that if you join their game, you'd find some really fucked up fuckers playing a fucked up game. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I think for people for whom D and D is not, it's nerdy for everyone. For some people, it's also edgy and nerdy. And I think this movie is not that. This movie is very sort of palatable. And I'm that's not my criticism at all. I just felt like you could miss sections of the movie and still basically know yeah. what's happening. And for me, I was like, eh, I wish there was a few more surprises. I wish it was a little less like, hey, this is how blockbusters usually go. But I will say compared to other blockbusters, it's so much more charming. It's so much funnier. And the way it 
nail some of the points I thought were really great. And, you know, I, I guess it's also maybe a little longer than it needs to be, but whatever. I had fun. I had fun with it. So it's a solid B plus for me, which for a movie of this size, I didn't think I was going to give it that high a rating and it's yeah. fucking great. I, I don't know. I had a good time with it, but I can see some criticism with it, but I think most people I think thought it was going to be bullshit. So when it's actually kind of good, yeah. like a lot of the reviews have been, holy shit, I like this, you know, which <laughs> I get that. I get that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to say I saw and, and because it's a similar sort of vibe is uh evil dead rise. Went and saw evil dead rise. Actually, a week ago today, because I saw it before yeah. uh, recording horror business, and uh, was not as stoked on that one. No, was not I was as not stoked. as pleased with it either. It's, there, it's again exactly what I was talking about. Like, sure, you're yeah. gonna do the Evil Dead, and you're gonna deplete all of the camp. I mean, okay, I think it's a little more. It has moments that are a little more campy than the other remake or whatever mm. the, the 2013 movie right i yeah, guess that's a technically Fidei Alvarez yeah that one has nothing in it that i would consider humor of any kind yeah this movie no. has a few dark moments that you can see they're kind of pushing it whatever and i do want to acknowledge there are some very effective scares but and i have more deep thoughts on it on horror business if people want to check it out but suffice it to say it just falls short for me and honestly i think both you and me might like it a little more if it was just a new indie horror film that reminds us of aspects of evil dead, but it's not an evil dead movie because you're, you're, you're playing off the, 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 the franchise of evil dead, but it like, it's missing all of the stuff that I like, you know, it has some of the goo, but yeah. like the goo is just one part of those first two movies, right? Yeah. It's the goo isn't even in army of darkness. And I like army no. of darkness. The goo is just one part of those first two movies. And this movie is lacking all of the surprise, like nothing happens that's surprising to me. Yeah. And no everybody's is, just waiting for the reminiscent. Yes. Beats. Yes. You know what I and, mean? And we're in a new location for no fucking reason. Like the fact that they're in an apartment building, other than the idea that like we're trapped on this floor, it adds nothing else to the story. There's nothing there. You know, what would have been cool. Let's have the predictable beats of an evil dead movie. And then suddenly you're in public and there's other yeah. people around and you're trying to figure out what to do about that. That would be new. Right. But it doesn't do that. It gives you the same vibe of any spooky we're trapped in this place movie. And then it claims to be evil dead. And like other than a few like lines and some of the goo, it doesn't feel evil dead. To me. It doesn't feel like the things that I find charming about evil dead. That being said, the woman who is the mom who gets possessed, she is fucking magical at what she's being asked to do yeah she no, is she scary the whole time looks scary as shit and she yeah. acts real fucked up she's i think she's great but what she's act to do is nothing that is worthy i think of her performance like i just yeah. don't think it's there there's a like i said there's a few effective scares sure some of the gore is fun but overall it just was whatever and by the time it got to the end I just wanted it to be over, honestly. You know, it, mm, it's yeah. I, I, again, I'm being too hard on it in some ways because it is a new Evil Dead movie. But even if it wasn't a new Evil Dead movie, I would only kind of like it, right? It's mm. just not, it doesn't have th the stuff there that I want it to have. So whatever. It doesn't have the charm that I come to expect from that property. Yeah. And again, like, dude, honestly, it's a pretty great franchise from one to Army of Darkness and the TV show. It's kind of all I need, honestly. Yeah, and even with the TV show is is a bit hit or miss, but it's mm. hit enough that I don't care. And then it has new cool things like I'll take I would take a whole series of just the Ash puppet 
Like, yeah. just have the Ash Puppet do shit. I'm into that. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So is that it, Liam? Is that what you got? I think so. Oh, the only other thing I wanted to mention is um, Somebody Somewhere is back. You know, the show on HBO. I was really hyped on it last season. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch it. Bro, I cannot yeah. recommend it enough. It is one of my favorite shows ever. At least try season one, see how it works for you. And if it does, you got to get caught up because it's it's great. I watched the latest episode today. It made me so happy. It's so mm. weird and fun. I, yeah, it's a great show. So that's it. That's all I got. Go ahead. I don't want to take up all the time. Oh, well, so part of my whack is the fact that I saw that Evil Dead movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't hate it. I still gave it three stars. You know what I mean? Like, it's still fine. But like we said, it's just kind of not fun is which is, you know, I'm here for fun. So if you give me a movie that's not fun, then I'm going to be not stoked. Uh, I will say on the on track side, I saw a little movie called Renfield. Did you watch oh, this? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Justin liked it a lot. I'm curious what you think. Here's what I did not know about Renfield. The screenplay was written by Robert Kirkman, which is oh. why it feels the way it does, which is it feels like a weirdo comic book put into a modern world and with real life stakes. And it also has a healthy dose of attention to the Bella Lugosi uh, Dracula and Nicolas Cage, of course, him being my lord and savior. He is amazing in it. And um, the kid from About a Boy, what's his name? Um, he's. Uh, what's his name? Shit, I can't think of his name on top of my head. Um, oh, yeah. Nicholas Holt. He, oh, yes. It's, that's interesting. I forgot he was he's not that About a Boy is not what I would have thought of for him. But yes, yeah. that's that he was in that. I just told that wasn't clicking for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Renfield and he's so good. It's like because it's exactly what to me was the issue with cocaine there, right? Like cocaine pair wasn't gory enough for me to be like interesting, nor was it funny enough for me to be like drawn in. So it was just middle of the road. Everything. This movie has some gore in it that is like, yo, what? And then it also has like the comedy that hits without being contrived or pushed. Sure, like the yeah, whole yeah. premise of the movie is that our man's Renfield goes to a support group for people with codependent relationships. You hear me? I love that. I love it's that. It's fucking brilliant. I loved it. L O O O V E. I enjoyed it very much. I also saw a little movie called showing up. Do you know this film? I want to see it so bad. I'm really, it is the I'm new really movie interested. By Yep, it's a new movie by Kelly Reichert, who, if you recall, uh, Liam and I watched a little movie that she did called First Cow, and we loved it. Fucking love it. And I like her other movies. I mean, I don't know if I've seen all of them, but the ones I've seen, I think, are all great. Yes. I I, I don't know if I've seen all of them either, but um, this one, um, okay, so much like her, much like First Cow, this is a very, what I consider to be a small movie. It centers around the character uh, Lizzie, played by Michelle Williams, and she is uh, she works at an art college, and they actually filmed it at an art school in Portland. So that's kind of uh, it's kind of funny because like it's everything that you'd imagine a new wave Portland art college would be like. Like there's there's a scene that's really funny where um, Michelle Williams is sitting outside and one of her uh, co-administrators comes up and is like, she's new. So she's like, oh, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. And they're sitting there and they're eating their lunch outside. And there's a class going on of people doing like these like very abstract dance movements. 
Okay. And um, the, the one lady is like, I wonder what class that is. And Michelle Williams is like, oh, that's thought in motion. <laughs> it's just so funny because it's like such an abstract yeah. thing. And yeah. it's like that world. And they play into it so seamlessly while still, it still feels funny. You know what I mean? It still feels like, again, like, like yeah, these are people like truly in college to learn this stuff, but also there's like a levity to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Michelle Williams, she works in ceramics and like that's her thing. But her mother is like, uh, from what I can understand, like a dean or something at the school. And um, her father actually is played by... Um, by Judd Hirsch and he's he's divorced from the mother and he's living alone and Michelle Williams is trying to hold this like broken family stuff together not that it's like contentious but it is she has a brother that has like some type of mental illness but he's also an artist so it's like it, it's like a thin line and you're not really sure where he lands on it and it's the whole thing is that she has a show for her ceramics that she's been working on this whole semester and her landlord is Hong Chow, if you remember her from yep. uh, The yep. Menu and from The Whale. And it's just this, like, interesting little, um, it, again, it's a very subtle movie. It's a very small and subtle movie. But the inner atmospheres of both uh, Michelle Williams and the, the arena of being an artist in an art college town. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's um it's her doing her first show and she doesn't know if people are going to show up and then she gets cheese and like stuff like this and then there's a pigeon that they find that there's like a whole lot of stuff in this movie i'm not trying to spoil it for anybody but if you like first cow i would highly recommend this movie because um it's the same it's not the same beats or notes but it's the same feeling and if first cow made you feel something then this will too I appreciate that. I'm pretty excited to see it. I'm pretty excited yes. to see it. High recommend. And then outside of that, in the world of music, um, the new Dave Hawes record came out, Drive It Like It's Stolen, came out on Friday. And uh, I'm hyped on it because we're going to be playing with Dave Hawes and the Mermaid next week at the inaugural Sing Us Home Festival. And let me tell you, listeners, your boy is shook to the core. To the core, I say. Because uh, it's going to be in Maniunk at the Venice Island Performing Arts Center. And our last show was at the National Sokols in Bethlehem, and that was not sold out. And not saying that this thing is sold out, but it's like 80% sold out is what I'm told. So I'm going to look over an outside field with my band, and there's going to be people looking back at us. And yep, it's the biggest yep. stage I've ever played on, and I am shooketh. Shook. Son. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm pumped. I'm pumped because it's going to be the biggest show we've ever played. And our record hits all streaming platforms on Friday. But people have been receiving the mail stuff that we've been getting, like the orders and days, just mail them out because we just got the records last week and they've been coming. You got yours, right, Liam? Yep. And my shirt, too. Pretty stoked on it. Already listened to the record a couple times. And you're feeling it, huh? It's very good. Yes. Yay. So, yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like, I. I guess I get the feeling every time we do an episode of Cinepunks, I'm like, man, are people even going to listen? And this is like the same feeling as that. So I'm used to it. But, uh, you know, it's it's still a lot. It's still it's it's been two years coming. This record's been done since last summer. So I, it's like I do. I do have to point out now that I've listened to a couple of 
your appearances on other podcasts talking about the record. Yeah. And I think it's funny that people keep telling you how positive the record is after yeah. you tell them how negative the record is. And yeah. I, I'm wondering if this is going to be a trend, if all these people are going to get this record and listen to it and then tell you, wow, that record really lifted me up when you were just trying to get out all, because sometimes that's the reality just because the source of this art is your feelings of pain and dejection and self-doubt, that doesn't mean it's going to play that way for other people, buddy. They might yeah. find it to be exactly what they need to get the <laughs> fuck out of the darkness. So like, I, I'm hoping for more people to tell you the vibe of your record after you already told them what you thought the vibe of the record was. It's a weird, weird, weird place to find yourself. You're I love like, it. It's like when a friend of the show, uh, Josh Durr, was talking about one of the songs on the first, uh, the first Cross Keys EP that's called uh, Daytime Television. And he was like, yo, man, that lyric in the chorus, I can't talk about the stars. And he was like, dude, it's one of the most romantic lines I've ever heard. I told my wife about it. And, you know, it's kind of like our song. And I was like, yeah. I wrote that song about having to watch daytime television in a mental hospital because that's where I worked at the time. <laughs> I can't talk about the stars because that's all who is on the TV show. So it's just weird when you release something into the ether and people resonate with different parts of it and find what they need in it. And it still comes from a weird place in your heart or experience. And hey, man, all I'm saying is if you can get anything from it that makes you have a better day then I'm glad that you're there for it. I'm glad that you're listening. Period. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's real, man. That's very real. That's just uh, where I'm at. Uh, anyways, oh, let's mention those podcasts real quick. You were on As the Story Grows. Yes, As the Story Grows, the 20... where I was like, yo, don't you know my boy Liam's? No, well, <laughs> I, was... A, I don't think it's the same host. And B, I talked to whoever that was who was the old host on Twitter. They don't know me in real life. I just was talking ah. to them about an episode of the podcast I like. About Zayo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. So that's really funny to me. And then also <laughs> the other one was the 25th Hour, right? Yeah, 20, 25th Hour with uh, Dan Drago. And yes. that was me and Dave. That was a good one, too. Did you like that, was that good. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I thought they were both good. But it's just funny. Like, uh, that was the part that made me laugh the most is that both of them were like, Thinking of the songs is very upbeat because that's not how you think of them. But anyways, <laughs> really we, we, we still have a very intense movie to discuss. So we right. will quickly wrap up uh, that. But I hope I'm telling people right now, get the record. If you haven't, for some reason, gotten the record yet, get the fucking record. Uh, I also really quick it. before we go to break, want to mention I just saw this. I didn't realize it. Uh, Isaac Golub from uh, A Course of Disapproval passed away. Uh, no. So, yeah, I just saw it. Uh, so. RIP, uh, you know, I know that lately he's been kind of a character, does weird rap stuff, definitely isn't straight edge anymore, whatever, whatever. Sounds like he had an interesting, if not complicated life. But I think the reality for both of us is, of course, just approval. Pretty important band, you yeah. know, pretty important band. Huge so band. Yeah. even regardless of where he was at now, uh, I can't help but, you know, not only hope that uh, his friends and family are comforted, but also to express how important that band was to me when I was younger. And I still like it a lot. So uh, rest in power, my man. Uh, and condolences to everyone who knew him on a personal level. So anyways, all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love, possibly the most romantic movie ever made. That's what people say about it, by the way. And I think that can't possibly be true. That actually. cannot. I mean, really? Have they not seen it's, West Side Story? Well, I don't know. It's so melancholy and sad. We'll talk about it. We'll be right back. After the break.
And dreams are often torn and shattered and hard to stitch. Negative the attitude that runs the show when the stage is the GH, E-T-T-O. Which is the one to blame when bullets blow? Either Peter, Jane, or John or Joe. But Joe can't shoot a gun, he's always drunk. And Peter's pimping Jane, and John's a punk. Infested all the halls, also the brain. Daddy's broken down from ghetto pains. Mommy's flying high, the truth is shown. The kids are all alone, cause it's just the ghetto thing. The baddest brother, the one to rule This title is sought by the coolest fool Define coolest fool, easy, the one who needs Attention in the largest span and loves to lead Always found at the jams, but never dance Just provoke violence due to one glance The future plays no matter just the present flow And the greeting place is the G-H-E-T-T-O Lies are pointed strong into your skull Deep within your brain, against the walls To hide or just erase a glowing note Of how to use the ghetto as a scapegoat Truth from true boy's mouth is here to scar Those who blame the G for all bizarre So open up your vents and record well Cause this is where we stand for the true tell Ghetto game the ghetto name from ghetto ways Now there could be some ghetto gangs and ghetto play If ghetto thing can have its way in ghetto range Then there must be some ghetto love and ghetto change Though confident they keep it kept We know for fact they lie like ghettos form Cause people lack to see that they must all get out The ghetto hole, the truth they never told Cause it's just the ghetto thing really wish when they blow out the cake candles and if so is it for the sunken truth which could arise from out the characters in which the ghetto hides roses in the rank supply no shown relief granted it's planted by no shown belief killing feet off your own brother man has quickly been adopted as the master plan posses of our people has yet to provoke freedom or death to them it's just a joke what causes this defect i don't know maybe it's the g-h-e-t-t-o Nothing felt when problems hold more value, but never dealt with buildings crumbling to the ground. Impact noise is silent sound. But who's the one to say this life is wrong when ghetto life is chosen strong? We seem to be misled about our dreams, cause dreams ain't what it seems when it's just a ghetto thing. talking about the year 2000s movie by Wong Kar Wai in the mood for love. All right. So we talked a little bit already about the whole Wong Kar Wai thing. This is, this has been a director that I've had on my to watch list for quite a while. Mm. And this movie very specifically, uh, now I did not get, I don't know if, I don't think you did cause you're not a huge physical media person anymore, mm. but as someone who is one, uh, for whatever reason, I missed the boat on the box set from Criterion, and I kind of wish 
I had gotten it, but I think I wanted to become more familiar with his movies before I dropped box set level money, you know? Mm, uh, yeah. But I also am wondering if nothing against Criterion, I do wonder if there might be better versions with more movies coming in the future, because I feel like this is the first like Blu-ray box set of his stuff. Mm. And I'm wondering if there might be other options down the road. So we'll see. I don't know. It's I, not that I'm trying to predict the future, but I do kind of wonder if that's going to be a thing. Uh, okay. In the mood for love. You hadn't seen it before, right? I had never seen this one yet. What do you think about this movie? It is. So first, why don't you tell us what the movie's about, Liam? What happens in this movie? Sure. Um, it's a very sort of uh, a melancholy sort of story where uh, two people, move into adjoining rooms. Now, neither one, they're both in young, young couples and neither one can afford their own full apartment. So they rent a room in someone else's apartment, older folks, yeah. right? And the older folks are living in the apartment while they're there. This is apparently a pretty, was a pretty common content, uh, 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 practice scenario at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's expensive, right? To have your own space especially in a city you know so these are young couples who are s sort of getting established and this is th them uh, getting their first foot in in you know in hong kong a giant city mm -hmm. whatever and it's very telling in the movie that we never see his wife, wife or, or her, her husband. husband yeah because the movie is about how uh chow and uh uh suli zen uh, they 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 fall for each other, but they fall for each other out of a sense of pain, right? They're mm -hmm. that they're bound by their abandonment of their respective spouses. Yeah, so they're cheating on each of them with each other. Yeah, so their partners are away all the time, and it starts to seem strange that they're often away at the same time. And through sort of comparing notes on gifts and things that they had received from overseas, quote unquote it suddenly becomes clear to them maybe something that were they a little more savvy they would have known before, which is that their partners are with each other. And then the movie, they start to spend more time together, less out of a desire to get revenge or to uh, violate their own commitments of marriage, but really to understand maybe what might have happened, right? It's mm -hmm. experimental. And then as the movie goes on, they slowly fall for each other. but there's first the community that they're in that they're they're under watch all the time that's sort of what the movie is i mean in, in some ways they come to understand why their partners probably consummated their affair in japan or wherever you know because yeah. it's so you're so watched by the community that they're in uh but then also not even so much the community it's by the people that you live with right exactly exactly yeah. exactly they're so worried about um rumors and and impropriety right but even once they've given up some of that fear there's still a feeling of do they want to be the kind of people that they are married to if that makes sense mm, yeah there's also a bit of like a literary theme to it he's trying to write something and she helps he wants him. to write like martial arts serials yep that she finds also compelling like she's into as well so then they start working together on them and mm -hmm. And then he gets like a room where he can write on it outside of their living situation, which is cramped, decidedly. Yes, yes. But then also she helps him in that room writing these serials. And then it just looks like two people going into a room together that then makes them uncomfortable further. And it finally gets to a point where they are able to admit what is true, that they have some kind of feelings for each other. Mm. but. 
I mean, it, it kind of ends in a way where it's like there's a one last chance and they don't take that chance. Yeah, right? and they just kind of step away and then that's it. It is. It, I don't see it being a romantic movie no, at okay. all. Look, I, look, I'm not trying to go against years and years of inter- – I mean, this is something that people have said for a long time. But it is so endemic of our culture that a movie about pain and loss and fucking loneliness and about circumstances that you can't overcome would be considered the most – you know it would be a really romantic movie? A movie where two people just fucking love each other. And it's yeah. not easy. You know, there's difficulties, uh-huh. but they We've just end up, movie, they just, they're just happy, right? Yeah. The, the idea that this is the most romantic movie. I mean, don't be wrong. It's a passionate movie and I feel yeah. their pain, but I also feel like the establishment of their circumstances is about how lonely they are. So at some level, right, mm. as much as anyone watching this movie maybe wants for them to fall in love, wants for them to have each other. Isn't there also at some level where you're always going to doubt that love because it's found in the pain itself? Yeah. Like how much is that love created by the pain? And of course it's like, well, I want them to overcome that, but is that real? I don't, I don't know. Anyways, I think what the movie does very magically is even before it's clear, like it takes them a long time to even know they might have feelings for each other. We might be picking up as the audience before them, but leading up to those moments, what we see are two incredibly lonely people yeah. in one of the most densely populated cities in the world, right? This is yeah. a place where there are people everywhere, and these two people feel so fucking alone, yeah. right? In everything they do, they are isolated, they are alone. They're not always unhappy, but they're always unsure of their place in the world. And it shows you that fucking beautifully. This is a... In, I mean, I guess it, at this point it's a cliche to say a Wong Kar Wai film is beautiful, right? Like, yeah, most no, people but it's know a, that. It's a masterclass in the camera as a character. Yes, because there's so many things in this movie that are so beautiful. Yes, and yet still fully convey the sense of detachment and the sense of loneliness. That it's again, it's a masterclass. It's one of the most beautifully shot movies I've ever seen especially against the backdrop of a hustling and bustling city. It still manages to find these moments. And like, I don't know. What did you think? Like, did, did, did the camera stuff at all, like, uh, intercede on your thoughts while you were making uh, your judgments on this movie? Liam? Or I mean, for me, that was like the main thing. You know what I mean? Like he uses a lot of really long shots. There's a lot of obscured shots that are happening that still tell the story better than like the words do. It's it's such a well shot movie. I mean, it's it is beautiful. It is a film in which I feel like if you're not fully paying attention to it, you will miss how the story is not all in the dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue is very good and very important. But the story is so much in the the what you're seeing, in the way the camera is showing you things, in the moments of their hands and their eyes, in just so much in, in what you're hearing someone say while you're seeing something else. Mm. There's just something so magical about it. And, it were, and, and, and there's something about how we don't need to see them fuck to understand the intensity of what they're of feeling. Their connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there, I get it. There is something very romantic about that. But also the movie to me is so much more about a human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, or and lack a, thereof exactly about what is and, and and really about how our lives are often made up right of circumstances we can't control of opportunities missed or blown of 
times when we are courageous and times when we are fucking cowardly, right? Times yeah. when we are compassionate and times where for reasons that maybe aren't even our fault, we are incapable of compassion. We just can't, we can't give someone what they want in that moment, even if we might want to. And yeah. I think that sense in which the largest emotional uh, movements of our lives are often the results of circumstances far beyond our control. That is an essential part of this movie. Even as we also see how the times when they're willing to like push themselves to try something else, you know? So mm. I don't know. There's just something to me about the, the style of it. That is also, it's like, you know, what's the phrase? The medium is the message, right? Yeah. yeah this yeah, is a movie sure. that this is, is very much that. An example of that. And it yeah. is one of my criticisms of people who rely on a movie. There are so many movies that are narratively interesting, but shot like a fucking shitty procedural, right? Like, right. Oh, this story is really good. I would have loved to have read the short story this was based on or mm, a yeah. novel of the same idea. But this movie, though the story is fun, is just not great. This this movie really pushes you to understand that the making of the movie, the style of the movie, the visuals of the movie are part of the experience in a way that if you're not clicking with it visually, you're not getting the fucking movie. You're not there. You're not experiencing the movie itself. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. This is definitely, definitely a case for that. Yeah, it is. It 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 was. You know, it didn't um break me. Like I think for some people, this is the sort of movie that like where they feel like really destroyed by it. This is like a mm. sad cry movie for some people. Yeah, uh, it wasn't that for me. I wonder if it's just because I'm so far from this level of like. Inter yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I basically got my life together and I feel pretty good about this, at least. I have ennui about a lot of other things. But when it comes to the, you know, my relationships, I don't feel that. So, like, that part I'm not going to feel as deeply, maybe, as someone who has their own kind of wounds that they're managing, you know, or their own kind mm -hmm. of pain. Um, but still, it's it's just a mad it's a magic trick of a movie. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you think of the performances? Talk to me about it. I definitely leads. thought that Tony Leung, who played uh Chu Wai, and uh, Maggie Chung, who played uh, uh, the, the female Su Li Zhen, I thought that they were so good. This reminded me of the movie uh, Son of Saul. Do you remember that movie, Liam? Did you see that? I one? never saw it, but you talked to me about it when you saw it. We talked about it's it on the on Cinebox. So it's a that movie is a movie that's told all in close up shots of a man as he's going through a concentration camp trying to find his son. And this movie for I mean, like that movie was a bummer, but it was also good. You know, it was like one of those movies that you'll never have to see again. This movie take is like that concept. And this movie came out before Son of Saul. So I can only be led to believe that this was like kind of the progenitor of that. Sure. But yeah. most of the movie is told in close up of our two main protagonists. Right. Yeah. And in that their performances are so subtle, but so purposeful. Yeah. That they convey every single thing, not only with their words, but with the way that they look at each other and with the gesturing and the gesticulation of their facial features. It's so good. It's one of those things where it's like, I can't believe they managed to pull this off with this many close-ups. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the whole thing is shown like from their perspectives. 
I mean, like, and like, it's not without levity, right? Like the character of uh, Ping, his coworker, like that dude is like his homie. And as far as I can understand, or at least what I can suss from the, from the movie, it feels like that's his like main homeboy. Does it seem that yeah. way to you? Yeah, I think so. Cause he doesn't have, he, there's no other scenes of him carousing with anyone else. And this dude sucks. Like this dude's like a degenerate, you know what I mean? But like, he's still just the way that he, the way that they shoot the interactions between Tony Leung and that guy is so cool in that he says what he says, but his face tells a different story. Yes. And the whole thing is so perfectly captured by uh one car wise cameraman that it's, it's just, again, I hate to use the word masterclass again, but it really is quite a cinematic feat to behold for me anyway. Like I was yeah. really blown away by it in that regard. If, if you had told me that I, before watching this movie, and I'm sure this will be true of other Wong Kar Wai films in which Tony Leung is in a lot of them. <clears throat> but if you had told me a few years ago that I would like a Tony Leung performance more than Hard Boiled or Infernal <laughs> Affairs or yeah. even Bullet in the Head, which I know people, a lot of people don't like Bullet in the Head, but I that saw a version. magical. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw a version of it cut together of the American and the Hong Kong version into one long version. And that is a great movie. That full version was so good i just think he's an amazing actor already but yeah. this is of the movies i've seen maybe the best performances of his i've ever seen and yeah. uh it's and his chops and it's the cinematography that's what makes it that much of a performance yeah I, I i even love him in hero and this is beyond yeah. that it's so beyond that i also love maggie chung for a few performances as well um even though she's less like an essential person for me than he is but like if people have seen Irma Vep, I uh, love her in Irma Vep. And uh, of mm. course, she's also in Hero and some other sort of uh, things. And, and, and if you want Car Wide movies as well. Um, oh, and I forgot she's in The Seventh Curse, too. But I don't think mm. she's the main person. No, she's not the main person. In the Seventh Curse. Anyways, so she's in a lot of great stuff. But this movie, their performances, I mean. I might end up liking other Wong Kar Wai movies more, right? As I delve into his filmography, since I haven't seen a lot yet. But like when it comes to their performances, this might be it for me, man. Like they yeah. are so fucking good. And as much as we were praising, I think, you know, with good reason, the ways that Wong Kar Wai uses editing and camera work and colors and even set design and costuming to tell his story. And that's all part of it. None of that shit would work if they weren't who they were. They yeah. sell this thing. Even the parts of the script that maybe I'm a little like, okay, okay, I could see this is a thing. They sell it. And then the other part of this is this is one of those movies where there are not a lot, but a number of scenes involving food and they manage to act and eat, which is actually really hard. Yeah. And I love that. I love seeing the food scenes and also like, I love food and movies. That's not about their performances. That's just me loving food and movies. And it's a bit of that too. So yeah, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's, it's, it's so funny too, how the food plays such a huge part in the movie. Yeah. But totally. it's Anaki with street food. It's noodles that she brings to work. Yep. But like the scene where he puts the noodles in her bowl when they're in the room. Yep. And she says that scene is so, that's the thing about this movie. It is an emotional tour de force using all of your senses. You know what I mean? Because like you have like the food aspect of it, but then you have like the, the hazy um, atmosphere of the city, which feels, you know, it feels very noir, but not right. Would you say? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's sensory overload. Well, it's definitely, I think it people have uh, 
knowingly uh, accused Wong Kar Wai of being influenced by all these other European and American in, uh, filmmakers. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make this not a fucking Hong Kong movie. And I think that's important, right? Like, yeah, this is this is the best kind of cross-cultural exchange where he's telling a story that isn't a Western story that happens to be set in Hong Kong. This mm-hmm. is very much a story about this place and these folks, but mm-hmm. he's borrowing from all these other directors, yeah. but not in a way where it feels like homage, right? He's not yeah. fucking Tarantino. No. He's doing his own goddamn thing, yeah, but it's he's clear. He's doing his own Jean-Luc Godard. He's doing his yes, own, yes, like, yes, yes. there's a lot of touches in this movie that hearken to things, but are elevated as opposed to just rote regurgitation. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah, like, he's not just being, like, what, what, reference to 70s movie. It's, like, this is what he learned from watching a Buñuel, from watching Jean-Luc Godard. Godard's the one that came to mind the most when I was watching it, I gotta say, just because there's a lot of, like, um, just the way that the characters interact with each other while still looking in the same direction. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, a lot of, like, interesting touches that you could tell were informed by that. But um, he makes it his own with yeah. his camera. And that's what that's, again, that's the mastery of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll straight up say I don't know. Like, I know from what other people have said, the influences of European and American mm-hmm. cinema on his style. Uh, as far as specifics, I think you're right. I did think of Godard, too. But I'm sure there's other stuff that people who are more aware than we are you know again we're, we're still medium nerds we've yeah, watched a lot of stuff not that smart yeah but yeah, we yeah. but we we are not as deep in some things so i'm sure there's other influences too that i didn't even pick up on but i do get why people talk about the influence of western cinema on his style but to then limit it to that would be to me to problem. miss the note yeah, to yeah, miss you're, yeah, 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 yeah you're not going to hear what the symphony is playing if that's what you're looking at yeah 100 um I think uh, it's interesting that there is a certain amount of also inherent criticism of this culture, even as it is looking at it, just in the sense of yeah. their feelings of limitation, that there that there might be a possibility for love there, but unless they're willing to live a truly like almost nefarious life by their measure, they can't have whatever love they might want to have. It's just not there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting. Uh uh, because it's it's handled in a way that feels very subtle to me. Um, and there is a bit of like a raw pain to this thing, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I do think like uh, it'll be interesting. We're going to, again, not do it next, but soon we're going to then do our 2046 episode. And I'll be interested to see how you think the emotions of this movie transfer to 2046. Mm. Again, it's a loose sequel. I don't think... I, I don't think it quite works as a as a as a direct sequel in some ways, but it is a direct sequel in other ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll see we'll see how you feel about it. But I'll be I'll be interested to hear what you think. And Sophia, uh, we need your help, Sophia. Yeah, you're gonna come on and talk to us. About <laughs> Please it. come on, talk to us about we're pretty, this. We're pretty sold on that. But I think that this movie, um, because it is so stylized and so beautiful, folks for whom a painful, missed love, melancholy, whatever adjectives we want to use to sell this thing to some people would like turn other people off. I really think this is a must see like 100%. You're like, yeah, someone listening is thinking emotional drama. No, thank you. I'm telling you, you gotta watch more than that. It's so much more depth. Here's the other thing that I thought was an interesting choice. What did you think about the choice of making it a 1962 Hong Kong? I mean, I think that has to be there for the cultural 
milieu, right? For the for the complications. It's a it's such a world in transition, right? Mm-hmm. Like like there is still a lot of tradition, right? Mm-hmm. But also the culture is changing. And yeah. there are I'm not that I'm I, y'all, I am not a Hong Kong historian. I know that there's riots that are going to be happening soon, that there mm-hmm. are changes in the governmental structure. There's a bunch of stuff that's going to be going on politically and culturally, and I only in, know like, some yeah. of it. You know, so I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert, but I do know that this specifically 1962, right, is when this mm-hmm. is set. Um, it's very specifically a time on the verge of change, but not yet in a new world, if that makes yeah. sense. And so that circumstance is part of the tragedy of this. I don't want to say the whole thing is a tragedy, though some people might say that. There is a tragic note to it, and that's part yeah. of it, right? That's part of the reason that's part of we're in this system. unhappy time. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that the like the the attention to the clothing, to the costuming of this time is so cool. It's all beautiful. the dresses beautiful. that she wears are so fucking beautiful. And Tony Leung just looks so dapper, like down to his hair. Her hair also is really cool. And I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a weird thing for me to notice, but it was definitely while me and Melani were watching it, I was like, yo, everyone looks so cool. They look like the Asian version of Jersey's best dancers. It's so good. It's, it looks awesome. I agree. I agree. Uh, what a movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's it's also uh, one of the things we haven't said yet that I do also want to say. It's a it's also kind of funny. Like I, I don't yeah. want people to think the whole thing is like dour. It's kind of a comedy of errors a little bit, you know. Mm. Like th- there are funny moments. There's charm. There's wit. But also there is some humor. Not that like you're gonna lol per se. But mm. like I don't want it to be like the whole thing is so serious and so sad because it's not. No, yeah. it's not that. Uh, but but it's not something people don't talk about it as being funny, right? Yeah. People don't talk about it as being a funny film. But there are some really funny moments, and and it adds to the depth of the story that's being told as well. Yeah. I think the overall movie, the word that I would use, because I wouldn't say it's a funny movie. I'd say it's a charming movie. This movie, though depressing, though dark, and though grim on the outlook of interpersonal relationships between men and women, this movie is a charming movie in that it, it, it sits in that place in your heart where you can feel what these characters are going through, but as severe as the stakes may be, it's not a razor toothed smile. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love this movie. That's the bottom line for me. I think this movie is perfect. I think it's gorgeous, and I love it. Can't wait to watch 2046, too. I think it's the sort of movie for people who, for whatever reason, have listened this long but haven't seen it yet. I think it's not only is it a movie that is worth watching, I think it's also a movie that probably grows over time. I wonder if we would think differently about this movie when we were younger. Not that we wouldn't like it, but that we would have, it would hit us in different ways. I'm wondering different notes resonate for different people, Mm -hmm. depending on the stages of connection that they have with their lives. You know what I mean? Because I definitely could feel the sad boy, like 1990s cure Josh being like, oh, you know what I mean? Like there are moments in this movie that still hit hard to that guy. But to this guy, it it didn't hit as hard, but I saw it. Does that make sense? I think that does. No, I think that does make sense. And I think that um, I think that there's a sense in which maybe it's easier to see it as being a commentary. 
I think I think part of the reason some people don't like what you might call romantic films mm. is because they feel so limited. You know, mm. this is about two yeah. people. This movie isn't about two people. It is about them in one sense, but in another sense, it's about a web of relationships that they yeah. are a part of. It's and about how, two people that you never see. That's also true. Yes. That in a sense, isn't it about the absence of these other two people? Yeah. Which in a way makes it about God. Can we just put that out? That's not true. I'm just saying <laughs> whenever anything is about the absence of someone, I'm always like, so it's about God. Is that what you should what say? <laughs> just because that's a whole waiting for Godot joke. It's a waiting yeah. for Godot joke. guys. That's whatever. Good. That's a good joke. That's point, good joke. The point is, I really love this movie, even though straight up, Sophia, I watched this only in preparation of 2046, but then I'm glad we got to talk about it specifically. And I think this is a better way to do it. In fact, we could even do the other movie that's supposedly part of this trilogy, right? Yeah. Uh, We could even do that one first before we do 2046, just to feel like we've We've really covered our bases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which well, we got to do our homework so Sophia doesn't come on and, and talk to two dum dums. That's true. Yeah. You so maybe I mean? maybe we'll do. I think it's Days of Being Wild, right? Is the other yeah. one. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll do Days of Being Wild, and we'll and then and then we'll do twenty forty six. But you know, we're we're trying to at least record more often, so I think this will work out. But uh, but yeah, I don't. You know, th- here's the thing. A lot of has been said about this movie, so I guess there's not a ton else for us to say. But I do think, like for me. Um, what makes this movie so grounding beyond the style is that idea that there is um, a commentary here about a lot of different relationships. And though it is very specific, 1962 Hong Kong is not 2023 Chicago suburbs. On the other hand, everything about it is understandable and relatable. And I think that anyone watching it, even if you don't have a lot of context with Hong Kong films, I think you'll be able to connect with the relationships and the commentary of what this story is about. And I'm, yeah. I'm excited now to watch other Wong Kar Wai films, which again, I kind of was already because I know his reputation, but what I hate is when I know the reputation and then I jump in and I don't like it. Cause then it's like, Oh no, I'm the fucking curmudgeon. Who's not gonna, who's going to tell people they're wrong. I don't want to be that guy. So I'm glad that I'm like on board and I found this as beautiful and charming as, as people told me I would, you know? Yeah, no, agree. It's funny. Cause like, the last couple episodes before this, we talked about um, uh, Greg Araki. And sure, now yeah. I count myself as a huge fan of that. And uh, this makes me excited for the Wong Kar Wai experience to come. Yes. In that, like, it's just a cool, it's cool to be like a cinephile that discovers things from the past that are like, oh, this is extremely my shit. And I got to say, it happens to me and Liam a lot, especially when people who participate with Patreon or just participate with us on the socials, give us things like this to look at. And it opens so many doors for us. So thank you so much, yep. Sophia, for that. We really appreciate it. And I really appreciate it just because, again, I love finding new shit. And you definitely led me to some uh, untraveled paths for me with this one. So thank you. Well, let me say, if you are one of our supporters on Patreon, please be communicative. Let us know if there's things you want us to cover. And you saying that means we will get to it eventually. Um if you are not one of our supporters on Patreon, obviously consider becoming one. But even if you're not, still give us your ideas. What I will say is I feel pretty much, unless something is made totally in jest, like Chris Reject would say something just to fuck with us. But uh, outside of that, uh, Patreon people, we're going to do what you request eventually. If if I forget, just remind me. We're going to do your request. If you're not on Patreon, 
we're going to take all of your suggestions very seriously, but I can't promise you anything. Uh, but I think, it, I think if you're not on Patreon, really what I'm saying is we want to hear your ideas. And if it sounds cool, we'll check it out. Uh, especially if you have like a theme you, you think is good for us to, to, to go down uh, as, as sort of a path. That's great. But, uh, but Patreon people like guaranteed we're going to do it. You know, if you, if you said it in good faith, looking at you, Chris reject, uh, <laughs> then like, of course we're going to take that seriously and we're going to try to do it. And if for some reason I forgot, just remind me, uh, and we'll make it happen. Um, anyways, we just appreciate everyone for listening. Um, uh, and we appreciate the opportunity to learn things. And I think we're not alone in that. I know I see people comment all the time that one of the reasons they listen to not just this show, but other shows on the network is to like, find out about new things and, and to find new things to watch. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. So, as always, rate, review, and subscribe because it's the currency that means stuff to podcasters like myself and the Liam. And uh, thank you so much for listening. So we'll catch you a little bit further on down the trail. And again, special thanks to Sophia. You're the best. And smoke bomb. Bye-bye. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love horror business. The horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.